Hello, sexy nerds of the Nerd Imperium. Welcome to this week's episode of the Currently Nerdy Podcast. We are your inner conclave of nerdum. My name is Diz, and I am your pop culture and sports nerd, Ali. I am only your classic nerd. And I'm V, I'm a comic book nerd. Fellas, fellas. Yeah, here we go. He did it again. He did it again. He always does the same thing. Fellas, fellas. I'm sorry. Fellas. Fuck you. Jeez, all right, would you calm down? Is it really that big of a deal, Diz? No, no, it's not. It's not serious, bro. Man, you're real emotional. I don't know why. I have no Fuck. idea why. No, I'm only kidding. Um, <laughs> listen, guys. Uh, so I don't. Have you, do you guys? Do you guys watch SNL at all? Like, I I don't no. watch SNL, so like, I'm not yeah, a huge. I haven't. I, honestly, I don't. I don't watch. Uh, I haven't really watched like a sketch comedy thing since like In Living Color, which was like my favorite of all time, right? Uh-huh. I'm, and um. I was just in uh, Missouri this past weekend, and I, I was watching SNL because I had nothing better to do in oh, yeah. St. Louis at the time. And uh, this this sketch came on. It's the, literally the first SNL sketch I've probably seen in, I'd say, a good 15 years. Holy shit. Um, yeah. And uh, there's this, uh, this girl named Melissa Villasenor on there who like did a, you know, because the Oscars were this weekend. She did this, uh, this song the about... Was it the, Gra- the Grammys? Was it the Grammys? Yeah, it was the Grammys that were on Sunday. The Oscars are like February sixth or some shit. It's one of those yeah, fucking award shows that white people dominate, right? Like it's yeah. it's one of those. But like it's uh you know, and she was doing a song. She was doing a bunch of songs like describing movies about about like uh, picture nominees, right? Mm-hmm. And it ended up being like surrounded by this uh, the the kind of the surrounding theme is white male rage. Oh. Interesting. So she like sang about like Joker and Irishman and all that stuff, and she made these really they're really kind of funny songs mm-hmm. about about white male about all the movies being about white male rage, and she somehow managed to like connect Toy Story to it too for some reason. <laughs> but I was watching, I was like, okay, that's that's kind of clever. It wasn't the funniest thing in the world, right? But I made the mistake. Uh, it, it's almost it's almost like you know after you've uh, let's say you step on a rake, right, and you hit yourself in the face. And rather than like going and like recovering, maybe putting some ice on your face, you decide that you want to put your ne- uh, your testicles uh, in a clamp afterwards, right? Because what I ended up doing was watching this sketch and then going on Twitter to see if anyone was talking about it. That was a mistake. and my and my fucking god! Like I have to tell you, my white male rage was trending on my top trending for a little while, mm. but I have to tell you, man, that that sketch that like five minute sketch of of just of of this uh comedian singing about movies created such white male rage on twitter <laughs> and i was there was a part of me that kind of went wow like it's such it's so par for the chorus right you know there's it was just it literally went to this it went to this whole thing like man the sensitivity on twitter was so bad after this sketch on SNL. number one i didn't even know people still watch the damn show right People still, I didn't know people still watch SNL, but somehow the population of the internet managed to just watch this one sketch and hone in on it. And every fucking person that I have ever seen that I'm disgusted with on the internet, by the way, mm-hmm. somehow managed to put in their two cents about how horrible SNL has become because Melissa Villa Senior and her random uh, song about uh, movies. Yeah. Well, white people get upset over the littlest things. Um, th- like, it's the same shit. Like when they were doing the Donald Trump sketches. Like Donald Trump like went off and started talking shit about Alec Baldwin and how SNL hasn't been funny in years because of it. The most fragile demographic in America are the people who accuse everyone else of being snowflakes. Oh, yeah, for sure, dude. 
white straight males. This is, I mean, they're so wonderfully fragile. Anytime you talk about like actual genuine harm, racism, inequality, then they're like, shut up, snowflake. Mm. But if you just kind of symbolically mock them, you will never see people collectively lose their shit like these people do. Like, it's just yeah. phenomenal the way that they collect cisgendered white males. Go ahead. Go ahead. Tomorrow, just as an experiment, say something stupid about the Joker movie on Twitter and see what happens to you. <laughs> yeah. Just try it. Just be like tomorrow, say something like ridiculously dumb about it, like that nobody should take seriously. Like, like the Joker encourages incel violence against women. Something like mm-hmm. that, right? Just tweet that. Within a, I guarantee you, within a handful of minutes, you'll have somebody yelling in your mentions. Hmm. I mean, yeah, that's. <laughs> it's kind of sad when you think about it, right? But I guess you're not wrong, and that's I, I've never seen a situation where, uh, you know, it's it's even been there's been like minor criticisms of that specific, I guess, group mm-hmm. uh, that has been met with just, uh, you know, uh absolute rage i guess you could say or even worse is who get who's the one that they're railing against it's almost always women right that is true yeah yeah it makes it worse if a woman says something even jokingly oh there's a certain fragility what's happened is that the internet has taken very insecure and fragile people and giving and given them an outlet to vent their rage Mm. publicly and I, don't, I, I think that was a mistake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was a mistake giving everybody a platform. I'm not sure that the, the benefit outs, outweighs the cost here. Because That's beings, true. you know, just seeing the fragility of people. And in other instances, it's taken people who weren't normally fragile yeah. and made them fragile. These yeah. grown-ass people with giant-ass platforms get into it over the stupidest things. Yeah, it is. It is weird because I think uh, maybe it's because like everyone, everyone dies on every single hill on the Internet because really like the stakes aren't that high. Right. Because you're not going to get punched in the mouth if you act like an (laughs) asshole. Right. You're really not getting called out and you're not getting humiliated by anyone because really no one. Everyone is watching, but simultaneously no one's watching. Right. Because you're by yourself. Yeah. So I guess there's really no. The double down is a real thing. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not just that KFC sandwich that gives you a heart attack. It's, it's an, this is even more yeah. deadly. Yeah, apparently. I didn't know that. Yeah, but I thought it was it was ironic because I was watching it at a drag show in a gay bar in, uh, <laughs> in St. Louis. And it was uh, I was literally surrounded by white males. Right. But no, everyone was having a good time. Yeah. So I don't I've know. Never been to a, I've never been no to a drag there. show. But it's something I, I would want to go to just to, to see. How it, I've been damn, to am I the only one. Yeah, this is. This was my first time because uh, a lot of my coworkers, uh, you know, they they they're mm-hmm. from St. Louis and, you know, they they like to go to these. And this was like this was it wasn't a great one, to be honest with you. Right. I thought but it was it was the first time and I thought it was really interesting. There was a really, uh, I guess, uh, barrel chested fighters, uh, drag queen, barrel chested freedom what? fighters That's from uh, <laughs> Florabama. Sure. I, I, I'll, I have is. a funny story about a drag show that I was at once. Okay. Um, so I had just shaved uh. my head 
pretty sure I had just shaved my head. It's like a month within I've, I've shaved uh-huh. my head, maybe two months. And so we, we've gone, we went to this drag show, me and and this girl for a, for a date. Um, Wait, and uh, I was in the aisle. Hold on, hold on. Before big... you continue, brother, you go on dates. This is not uh, permissible in Islam. So, anyways, <laughs> is that Haram? Is that what it's called? I was with Harambe. Uh, oh, I was in. Uh, so I was in the aisle seat, and we were watching. And the drag show was really fun. It was entertaining. It was a lot of uh, you know, fucking really talented people, right? Mm. Uh, and then there was this one uh, drag show, like this one drag drag queen who was uh not singing but doing more kind of like comedy stuff oh uh, yeah yeah and there was like kind of it was very like vulgar very observational like he was talking about it's just stuff right that was very awkward but then he went into his singing routine and his singing routine uh involved the audience so this queen was was going down the audience and sitting on people's laps and doing all sorts of stuff. It was fun getting people involved. She gets to two down, two mm-hmm. people before me, like two rows before me, who happens to also have a shaved head. And she uh, grabs the dude and she licks his head. Oh, God. The fucking OCD <laughs> in you is like going crazy right now. <laughs> My body just immediately like cold sweat. From the tip of my head to my toes. And I turned to my date and I'm like, switch fucking seats with me right now. (laughs) (laughs) He switched seats in the middle of this thing, trying not to draw any attention to ourselves from the people in the back. Just very shuffle. She was very petite, very lovely. I I am not ashamed to admit that I used her as a human shield (laughs) to Mm. protect myself from my like minor germ phobia OCD, like like literally the like my body was just covered in sweat and went there's no way i'm going i mean i, I love sit in my lap whatever that's fine i'm okay with audience participation but you lick my head i will die yeah i will yeah, die no. on the yeah. spot it's like no the licking that's yeah that's, that's a rough one so now, did you- two seats before and i went nope turn like sweet seat seat switch yeah. right now now was that one of those shows where you, like you like you give them a dollar? Is it like a tipping thing, or was no? That- it was uh, okay. it was actually a benefit. They're raising money, so you paid tickets, uh, okay. uh, and they were it was for a really good cause. It was for uh, yeah. uh, AIDS. Uh, I think it was HIV free HIV oh, nice. tests, if I'm not mistaken. It was it was a really cool it was a really cool uh, event and it was it was aimed for something really good. Tickets weren't that expensive. I actually bought a few tickets. It was really great and the overall experience was fantastic. But that one moment was like my hmm. I, like I saw a glimpse of hell, <laughs> just a flash of it. <laughs> it was uh, I, honestly like I, the the experience I think was actually really interesting. Mm-hmm. Right, because I'd never been to one before. I thought it was really cool. Right, there's like and I think the talent. A lot of time lies in, you know, the makeup and the pageantry of it all. You know, even it's a show, right? So there's a lot Mm -hmm. of there's a lot of kind of, you know, um, really kind of great, I guess, like fabulousness. I don't even know how to Mm -hmm. like how you would describe it. Right. Like there's a lot going on. But if you ever go to one, Diz, I need you to like observe the people around you because that's even more of an interesting show. So like I might ask him to like, hey, can I come? It's pretty cool. Like. The one I went to, right? It's like they would dance, and then like, and then everyone yeah. would like hold up a dollar for mm. them, right? And then they would go and grab tips and everything. And I, I had there was there was a particularly rotund one that kind of had this weird like Elsa thing going on, right? She was dancing to Rihanna, 
and I had held up the dollar because uh-huh. I didn't want to feel left out. I held up the dollar and like she grabbed it and like I should put it uh-huh. like in her padding on her chest. Was she and, like, dressed like her Rihanna too? No, no, it was more. Oh, she had okay. a weird like Elsa Ice Queen thing going on thing, right? Oh, okay. And then like, and I'm not sure if this was like if it was in response to me or if it was just the way that you know like that she walked. Uh, but you know, uh, I, what is the term? Like, clapping cheeks, <laughs> I think is the term. Right? <laughs> I don't know where this like, is going. Clapped her cheeks at me. I was like, well, <laughs> what the hell was that? Right? It was a really clapping cheeks means you I had guess. sex with somebody. V. <laughs> Yeah, I that, think you're, you're, like, you're talking about something completely different. Like when you clap twerking. the cheeks together, isn't it? When yeah, you clap the cheeks together, isn't that twerking? Okay, clapping somebody's cheeks. I didn't is... clap her cheeks, but you clapped her cheeks. Her own <laughs> clapping cheeks, cheeks refers yeah. to sex, talking style sex. Like, See, <laughs> you now I don't know. I haven't. I you know, Ali. <laughs> she twerked. I, you, okay, boomer. You were having a real. I have boomer no idea. Right See, I I don't know. Like she I was, twerked. I was. I was so, you know, it was it was that thing where I was like, okay, you know, she that must be how they say it. thank <laughs> you. And, say thank you. <laughs> what the fuck V? He's like a he's like a eighty year old tourist in Taiwan or some shit. Yeah. Ah, oh, that's what how the locals say <laughs> hello here. I was like, uh, what do you mean that's how they say thank you? <laughs> I was Jesus wearing I was Christ, wearing my I, I was wearing know. my old man cardigan, so I, I oh, kind of felt like I was I was wearing a cardigan. So I, I felt need like someone I was to make a snippet of that <laughs> as a ringtone. Ah, that's how they must say thank you here. <laughs> that's how the locals say thank you. Yeah, I just Thanks. assume that I just Thanks, assume Eugene. That, that's what they do in St. Louis in gay bars it's, in St. Louis. It's a, I don't it's know. A, it's a, right? a gay bar. It's a, uh, a drag show. It's different. Straight men. No, it was a gay oh. bar. Also, it was a oh, gay bar okay. with a drag show. Yeah, oh. right. And it was old. There was and there was one old guy in the corner. This is interesting too because he was wearing a, a Saint Louis uh-huh. blue, like a hockey team jersey. Okay. He was wearing all blues gear, and he was this old guy. And every time the drag queen would like walk off the stage, like go and uh-huh. grab the tips from everyone in the audience, he would just grab their hand and smile at them and like let them uh-huh. down like off the stairs. Right. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. They hired some guy to make sure they don't fall uh-huh. on their their stilettos or you know whatever else that's that's good you know safety you know and it turns out the dude didn't even work there he just kind of sat there next to the stage he's volunteered next to the stage and just literally was just there to to make sure that the queens didn't um trip on the stairs on their way down i just want to say that between your that's how they say thank you here and my licking of the head. I'm not yeah. sure we're selling yeah. drag I mean, shows to Diz. I mean, I'll still I don't go. think we're convincing I, would, I, I only live like an hour and a half or an hour and 15 minutes from like West Hollywood. So I heard they have the best drag shows. So we'll check it out. Yeah, yeah. I was I was hoping to be more of in like a vaudeville variety show thing, mm. but it was more just kind of dancing, you know. But I think it looks like Ali's show was a little bit more of that style where it was. Yeah, like, it was more talent show. Yeah. Mine was more of just kind of a, a, yeah. Mine was more kind of dancing and costume changes, yeah, which is also I'll cool. Check it out. Um, yeah. I, I feel weird, man. I'm uh, I'm going to transition our lighthearted conversation into a more serious conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, yeah. I, I want to give a trigger warning um, for, for everyone listening. I, I'm going to be, we're going to be talking about some, you know, like some controversial stuff, but also some, we're going to have some reflection on the life of Kobe Bryant and the death of Kobe Bryant. Um, I know for me, it's a tough subject. So like, I'm going to try to keep my emotions in check, but it, it might be a little tough. So um, just a heads up that this, this may, mm. you know, like arouse some emotions that 
you know, might be tough for some people to hear. So if that's going to be the issue, if the case for you, uh, tune out now, hopefully our, our, our ventures our Ali and V's ventures and drag was good enough for your fix of currently nerdy this week. But, um, yeah, God, but, I hope uh, not. you know, like me, me being the, the sports fan, the sports nerd that I am, I think it would be remiss if, you know, we didn't have this conversation. Um, so, uh, yeah. it, early Sunday morning here in, in Los Angeles, um, Calabasas to, to be exact, uh, there was a helicopter crash um, at around like 9.30 or yeah, around nine. No, it was like around 10.30 a.m. Um, and the victims of the crash were Kobe Bryant, his daughter Gianna, also known as Gigi, Peyton Chester, Sarah Chester, Alyssa Altabelli, Carrie Altabelli, John Altabelli, Christina Mauser, and the pilot Ara Zobian. Um, all nine victims lost their lives that day. Um you know, mm. it was, uh, it's tough, uh, cause for you guys not in LA, um, I don't, I don't understand, I don't know if they understand the magnitude of what Kobe Bryant is to the city of LA and Orange County, you know, just in this area, the Southern California area. Mm-hmm. Um, it's weird. Uh, Saturday I was talking to a customer and, um, the customer and I were we were talking about sports. He's a he's a big Michigan fan, you know, and um, like we were we were talking about like just sports, and he's like, yeah. I was like, well, the basketball's on now. I'm like, you know, like well, tonight LeBron's chasing to you know overpass Kobe Bryant to be third in points in NBA history, and we started talking about Kobe Bryant Saturday night, and he was telling me he's like, you know, like my daughter went to Kumon with uh, Kobe's oldest daughter Natalia. Um, and like, you know, they, like they, they went to Kumon together for years and Kobe would come and drop off his daughters or he'd drop off his daughter. And like, if someone wanted to come and take a picture with him or just like talk to him, he'd sit there and like, he had these great interactions with the fans and the, like the people that were there at the Kumon. And I was, I was telling him how my cousin Miriam actually had met him like a few months before. And like, she just happened to be at a Starbucks that he was at and she was wearing like her Lakers sweatshirt. So like she went and told him how big of a fan she was and how big of a fan my nephew Cyrus is. And he's like, he's like, well, let's take a picture and send it to your son. Like that's the kind of energy he had for, for fans of his and, you know, for people here in this area. Like I've had a lot of friends who've had run-ins with him. I've had a lot of family members who've had run-ins with them and they've always said great things about it. I've never heard a bad thing like from personal, like people's personal experiences that I know of with Kobe and like I've heard stories of like where he'd be at mm-hmm. dinner with his family and like a fan would be like, Hey, can I take a picture or get an autograph? And he'd be like, let me just finish up dinner with my family. And then afterwards I'll be more than happy to take a photo with you. You know, like he was, he, he was never dismissive to his fans. He knew how much he was loved here in this area. And um, he loved this area a lot too. Um, but more than that, like he, uh, he meant a lot to the game of basketball. So for people who are my age, we grew up on Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant was drafted in the NBA in 1996. He was a 17-year-old. He was drafted with the 13th pick um, to the Charlotte Hornets and actually got traded to L.A. for uh, a guy named Vladi Divac who ended up playing for the Kings. Yeah, Vladi Divac. Interesting stories about him. Uh, he used to go to practice and he'd look at his coach, he'd smoke a cigarette and be like, I already know the place. Call me when you need me to do something. Like, 
<laughs> that's the the kind of guy he was but um but yeah like when when he came here like kobe just captivated la and um he won five championships here with the lakers um he won an mvp he was two finals mvps he's a uh, fourth all-time in nba history and scoring um you know so like he he was big he inspired a lot of people to play basketball um you know like he had a crazy like warrior mentality where he called it the mamba mentality you know like you have to work hard and like mm-hmm. you never give up he uh he shared this quote where it says you rest in the beginning and in the end never in the middle like that was one of the things he said like as he was mm-hmm. retiring and like a lot of people like you know, like even though they're not going to be as great as Kobe Bryant in basketball, they took that Mamba mentality into whatever they did. You know, like Kobe inspired normal people to be the best at like their jobs or to, you know, be the best at whatever they can be. And like his loss is is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when I was at work when I got like a few texts, like I got like five texts in a row, like yo, like one of my friends texted in a group chat, like they're saying Kobe died instantly, like. In today's world, mm-hmm. your mind goes into, oh, man, someone's fucking making up some bullshit hoax. Like, this is stupid. Like, you don't want to believe it, right? So you get the first text, and you don't believe it. You get the second yeah. text, and you're like, oh, they probably saw the same hoax the first person did. And then, like, you're just getting more and more. Mm-hmm. And, like, my friends are sitting there texting me, like, I don't know what's going on right now. Like, like my, my friends are really, like, I'm in tears. Mm-hmm. Like, someone tell me it's not true. Someone tell me that this isn't real. Like he can't be gone he can't be gone and like i'm i'm sitting there and like literally like my my coworker told me i went white in the face and he's like yo is everything okay like like what's wrong like did someone die and i'm like yeah kobe just got into a helicopter accident and like i look at my boss who's a big like mm-hmm. basketball fan i'm like yo nagi kobe's dead and he's like what i'm like yo kobe's dead dude and like he looks at his phone and he confirms it and we're just sitting there just in shock. And like the craziest thing is like literally the guy I was talking to the mm-hmm. night before about how great Kobe was walks into my store at that exact moment that I found out that like Kobe had passed. And I'm like, yo, like what's going on? Like I- I'm talking to the guy. I'm like, yo, Kobe just passed. He's like, what? No, we were just talking about how great of a person he is and this and this and this. Like that can't be true. And like we're sitting there looking it up. Like we're looking up Kobe online and like the first thing you see is like a TMZ headline that like Kobe and five others mm-hmm. dead in a helicopter accident in Calabasas, California, you know? And it was like super tough like well, yeah. to see that because like I, I didn't think it was true, you know? Like I was still like, I still couldn't comprehend it. Like, yeah, it's like shock, right? Yeah, because yeah. it's like he he was more than like like a basketball player, right? And then like in a lot of ways, like he was someone like I idolized, like for lack of a better term. And I remember like, luckily, like the first few hours after like hearing about his death, like I had customer after customer after customer. So like, I didn't have like time to like reflect on it. Right. Like I had to focus myself on work and it was, it was a good, it was a welcome distraction because like my mind was elsewhere, but like every time there was like a lull in like our conversation, I would think about it. And then I'd, I'd be like, no, there's, this can't be true, you know? Yeah. Um, and then I remember like when, when I had like my, my 15 minute break, like I went outside and I've never really like cried at work before. I think I've cried at work one time and that's when like a coworker of ours had passed away 
and I found that about that at work, right? But like, yeah. you know, like that was tough. Like they they let us leave for the day and then they brought in grief counselors the next day to deal with that. But like I went outside and I'm just sitting there like watching these tributes to him and like watching all the news reports and like I, I legitimately was like out there like bawling, crying. I had to like walk away from the store because I didn't I don't want any customers to see me. And like it just felt surreal. It's like I know like I never met Kobe physically, but like there was still like a, a kinship there kind of, you know, like I felt like I'd lost a family member because I was like, I was, I was a really big fan of Kobe's. Like I had a friend text me that night and, um, you know, like he was like, Hey, you know, like I was never the biggest basketball fan and like, I wasn't very good at basketball and I was always afraid to play with you guys. Cause the older guys would make fun of me. He's like, and I never got to watch Kobe live, but I got to see Kobe through you. He's like, you'd go out there and you'd, you'd do his fade away. And like, you'd yell Kobe when you, when you shoot a jump shot. And he's like, I remember when you bought your first pair of Kobe's and like how excited you were to wear those and like how you wore them everywhere. You didn't care how ugly they looked or how big they were. Like you were super proud to have those shoes. And like, I remember that, like I was in the seventh grade and it was like the first pair of like, like sneakers that like my mom bought that were expensive. Like prior to that, like you didn't really care in elementary school, you just wore whatever your mom got you. And then you, you're yeah. in middle school and you have to have a little bit of swag. So like the first pair of shoes that I bought were Kobe's and like, I was obsessed with those shoes. They look like fucking moon boots, but I wore them everywhere. Like <laughs> they were dark gray and literally looked like, like a shoe an astronaut would wear. They're ugly as hell. But to me, they were the coolest <laughs> shoes in the world because they were Kobe's. Yeah. And like, and then I moved here. You know, and like I was a bi- I was a big Kobe fan when I was in D.C., Virginia. You come here and this is fucking this is Laker country. You know, like, yeah, yeah. you can't go anywhere without seeing like a Lakers logo or, you know, like people being like big fans of Kobe. Like my, my, my cousin had a Kobe Gasol like sticker. It said Kobe Gasol. Oh, wait. Right. Like because that's yeah. the year of the election that was going on. And like he he put that bumper sticker on his car. And like my, my family's obsessed with the Lakers. Like my, my cousin's eye, when you go to his house, he's got like a basketball court in his backyard and his dad painted it purple and gold. And they have a Los Angeles Lakers like logo on their free throw line. You know, like hmm. wow. we come from Laker family. Like I leave your dad's a Laker fan, you know, like I watched games with your pops. Mm-hmm. Like it's, yeah. he meant something more to us than just a basketball player although at least dad wasn't a fan of kobe but like i'm sure this still hurt like this still hurt him too like it's yeah it's like it's weird because he's not somebody that you see every day he's not someone that you spend time with but it still felt like you lost a family member um Mm. there was an espn um journalist named tony reale who said like you know it's okay to feel this way about someone you don't know you know it's okay to cry about somebody you don't know because even though you didn't know him personally, like he still did have an effect on your life in your life. He, I think that's that's true, particularly for for Southern California, mm-hmm. where he was considered in many ways like a major feature, a fixture of, of, of Southern California, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean he was. I mean he was. I mean he lived in Orange County. His family dined here. You know, we people from uh, you know we're all from Orange County. We all grew up around here. You know, I used to serve him and his family at the restaurant that I worked at, right? And there was mm-hmm. people who always kind of saw him. People went to church with him, mm-hmm. 
right? You know, he he was he was just a part of Orange County in that sense, and mm-hmm. it was that thing where you're like, okay, everyone everyone knows who he is because he's Kobe, obviously, right? But it was mm-hmm. just it was because of the fact that he was in proximity with us all the time mm-hmm. too. So it's like you take that. We talked about celebrity on this podcast all the time, and about how it's like that influence, like reaches how it reaches people. Uh, mm-hmm. You combine that with the fact of his celebrity, with the fact that he really was actually present around yeah. us at all times. You know, even uh, the helicopter was was just a feature of yeah his his Orange County life. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, it's not a new thing. He he'd been you know using it to commute up north for training all for years yeah. now as a way of to kind of squeeze in as many hours as possible so he could be with his family and pick up his kids etc so yeah you know, you know he, part of who he was he 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 beat the one enemy that most of us can't which is california traffic yeah. right right so going from orange county to la that's yeah it's a special type of traffic yeah. to beat yeah yeah i think for me too is like i'm not like so i'm not as personally affected by it um because I, I'm not a big sports person and I certainly found it tragic and certainly shocking because it was so sudden, right? You heard it via text. I mean, I heard, I saw the TMZ alert. Uh, I was on Twitter scrolling when the, someone t- retweeted it and I was like, oh, wow. And it, it is, it was a certain moment of kind of disbelief at first because you, you don't expect young, the young mm-hmm. to die. Yeah. So yeah. To speak. Um, but I think for me, my experience was slightly different in that I saw the effect he had on other people. Uh, on friends, on you, on my family members. He was probably my first experience with that type of sports celebrity mm-hmm. culture. Growing up, uh, my dad was a huge football fan, but the rest of Orange County, as much as they watched football, they were Lakers fans, right? Like that was their that was their team. And Kobe Bryant was their 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 family member almost. I would remember my uncles. One of my uncles would talk about uh, Lakers all the time. And the way he talked about Kobe, it was like, he was talking about his nephew. Mm-hmm. He's like, Oh, Kobe did uh-huh. this. You know, he, he's, he, he did this many three points and he did this. And Oh, did you see this? Oh, he didn't do so well last night. And you, the way you were talking, you're like, who, are you t- who the hell are you talking about here? <laughs> Kobe's a stranger, but the way he was talking about Kobe, you would think that he was part yeah. of the family. Yeah. And for me, I always found that fascinating because I didn't, I didn't have um, a sort of similar, or experience or I didn't have a, something comparable. You know, I have people who I consider heroic mm-hmm. in my life, right? Uh, and people I look up to, but none of them come quite so close to that level in which people treated Kobe in which that he was intimately part of who they were, that he was part of the way that they identified, that they had they built this sort of relationship. And as much as it's a one-sided relationship, he also was a pretty good public figure in regards mm-hmm. to his fans, right? Mm-hmm. He was yeah. very respectful to his fans, very friendly to his fans. He gave back to his community a lot. So, but that that was something I've never personally experienced. I don't think I know anyone that's a public figure who would die uh, and it would have that huge of an impact on me. I would still find it tragic in the same way that I find, you know, the death of Robin Williams tragic, the death of Kobe Bryant tragic. But seeing the impact he had on other people, on friends, family members, that was particularly interesting. But there is a sort of a complication when it yeah. comes to Kobe Bryant. And as much as you know, people can reflect on the good legacy he leaves behind, there are some, some good he did, he was credibly uh, accused of sexual yeah, um, assault. 
Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and that some kind of got erased uh, in the moment when uh, this happened. Understandably so, right? The knee-jerk response is the yeah. the tragedy of it. And in many ways, uh, I think some people uh, who emphasize that aspect of it, the sexual violence of it, uh, looked like they were trying mm-hmm. doing it for clout. Right, they were trying to shock and scandalize, and that's part of yeah. internet culture, unfortunately. But I also saw survivors who were pointing that out. You can't tell survivors how to grieve when a person like Kobe no. Bryant dies. You can't. Yeah, you have to accept that they are having a fundamentally different experience than yeah. the sports fan is, and I saw them get piled on by fans. Oh yeah, and absolutely. it is complicated to be clear. There are components of legacy that we're not quite ready to deal with. As a whole, society tends to yeah. eulogize the dead. It's just something that the press does. It's something that the media does. It's something that we, the public, do. Uh, we could. I mean, I remember you know people would when Rehnquist died, right? Oh, great, great Supreme Court justice. It's like fuck that guy. <laughs> Right? Yeah, yeah. It's like there's like it's like this this moment in which society kind of collectively agrees to not speak ill of the dead, but then that feeds into the type of culture in which rape and sexual violence is yeah. not taken seriously, um, right? So how do you how do you navigate that? How do you negotiate that? How do you acknowledge the reality of that? And then seeing people deny that it even happened, like that's that's the messiness of it, right? It's like. I don't want to poo-poo on Kobe Bryant's legacy, but I also can't walk away from this with the same kind of adulation that other people have towards Kobe Bryant. I can recognize it. Certainly, he gave back to his community a lot, and he meant a lot to other people. But to me, he was uh, a sports figure, certainly a very talented figure, but one who had committed a great evil, a great horrible act. Um, and I don't want to rub it in anyone's face, and I know that his family's hurting, so I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not out there tweeting it or, or, or causing up a stink. But it's hard. It's hard because I have friends who are survivors. I have colleagues who are survivors, and my sympathies are with yeah. them. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. that's hard for them to sit there and watch a guy who is credibly accused, and then like unending coverage about how this was the greatest so- man on earth. So that's yeah. hard to deal with. It makes you feel as a person that that you don't matter, your experience doesn't matter, and that people can be forgiven of these kind of horrible things yeah. that they do so, once they die. Um for me, like, because I'm a I'm a I was a fan of Kobe's, right? Like he was like a one of my favorite players of all time, if not my favorite player of all time. It's it was tough. It was tough being a Kobe fan at times, right? Because like even when he was alive, like people who didn't like him, they go, "You're a fan of that rapist, right? Like how could you, how could you be a feminist and be a fan of Kobe and like he's a fucking rapist, this and that, right?" And the thing that fans do, right? And I I try not to do this, but I'm probably guilty of it too. Um, is like we make excuses for the people that we're fans of, right? And um, I remember having this. I was having this conversation Sunday with with two of my close friends and um you know like all of us are big laker fans one of the one of the guys that i was having this conversation with he and i watched kobe's last game together and i remember like 
we both like had like tears in our eyes watching Kobe's last game together because it was like it was the last time we we're going to see him play, right? And and I told him I was like mm-hmm. like he was upset about um an article, right? And I, I know V, you're going to touch about that later, um, but he was upset about that article. And he's yeah. like, man, that should happened 17 years ago. Like he the charges were dropped. Like he wasn't convicted of anything. Why the fuck are people bringing that shit up now? Like after he's dead. And I remember I told him, I'm like, listen, man, like at the end of the day, like, look, man, like I love Kobe, right? You love Kobe, but we also have to understand that he fucked up 17 years ago. He fucked up by his own admission. He fucked up. Mm. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, he's like, I never saw that. I'm like, bro, you were 13, 14 years old. You probably don't remember the coverage. I was like, but if you look back, like he gave a quote unquote apology after the criminal case got thrown out, right? Because the criminal case did get thrown out. Right. Um, which happens a lot in cases of sexual assault. Like, you know, there sometimes there isn't enough evidence, but that doesn't mean it didn't happen. And Kobe for like, I, I don't know if this is, I'm, I'm not the one who, who decides if this is an apology or not. The victim decides if this is a sufficient apology for her. Like, I don't get to say that it is, you know, but after the, the criminal case was thrown out, he he went up and said, first, I want to apologize directly to the young woman involved in this incident. I want to apologize to her for my behavior that night and for the consequences that she suffered in the past mm-hmm. year. Although this year has been incredibly difficult for me personally, I can only imagine the pain she had to endure. I also want to apologize to her parents, mm-hmm. family members, and to my family and friends and supporters and to the citizens of Eagle, Colorado. I also want to make... Sorry, what was that? It, no. Go ahead. Joe. I also go want to make ahead. it clear that I do not question the motives of this young woman. No money has been paid to this woman. She has agreed that this statement will not be used against me in the civil case. Although I truly believe this this encounter between us was consensual, I recognize now that she did not and does not view this incident the same way I did. After months of re- reviewing Discovery, listening to her attorney, and even her testimony in person, I now understand how she feels that she did not consent to this encounter. I issued this statement today fully aware that while one part of this ends today, another remains. I understand that the civil case against me will go forward, that part of this case will be decided by and between the parties directly involved in the incident and will no longer be a financial or emotional drain on the citizens or the state of Colorado. Yeah, and it's not just that the the apology, the evidence is overwhelming. And it, to be clear, it wasn't that there wasn't enough evidence to proceed to trial. There was. It was that she decided mm-hmm. not to testify, which is not uncommon for rape victims and sexual assault victims who often talk mm-hmm. about testifying as be a second violation. Yeah, it's like, why relive it again? Yeah. yeah. And not only that, but she was going up against a very powerful figure with very powerful defense attorney who had spent basically a year running yeah, her name through the mud. So, yeah. So here's here's the thing. There was ample evidence that, that some form of violence had happened. There was blood evidence, tears in her uh, genitals. There was uh, semen. All of that had indicated that the, the sexual encounter was a violent one and there was evidence when she had gone in for her testing she put on a pair of used underwear from a different day her brain wasn't working and in that underwear other sexual fluids mm-hmm. were found from someone else indicating that she had sex 
sometime earlier in the week before she met Kobe Bryant. Surprise, surprise, people mm-hmm. are sexually active. But the defense attorney of Kobe Bryant used that as evidence that she was sexually promiscuous, that she had been hooking up with people, that she had mental, she had a mental health breakdown, all that sort of stuff. The the, the implication being that uh, she had mo- sex with multiple people the same night uh-huh. with Kobe Bryant. That's not what happened at all in any way, shape, or form. She yeah. was just underwear from another day. So she didn't want to go through that. She didn't want to go through a trial of that. And as a result, that left things in this sort of ambiguous state where people chose to believe that this woman was uh, an evil liar. Now, in addition to the sort of gendered aspects of this, that is the way in which women are treated whenever they dare to speak against a popular figure, Mm-hmm. There is a racial component too that we should rightly note. She was a white woman who was accusing mm-hmm. a famous black man. And there is a long and ugly history of that from Emmett Till's uh, story yeah. in which he was falsely accused to the Scottsboro boys who were falsely accused of sexually assaulting a, a white woman. There is a long and ugly history there. So we can recognize that there is a racial dynamic here. There is a gendered dynamic here. And then there is the cult of celebrity mm-hmm. all at play here. And I'm not one who's who's out there going to be, you know, trumpeting that Kobe Bryant's a rapist, Kobe Bryant's a rapist, knowing that his family and friends and, and other people are kind of suffering here. But I have to note that it is uncomfortable for me as a person because I don't participate in that type of celebrity worship. I like celebrities just like everybody else does. I find them fun. I find them interesting. I find them entertaining. They're great in movies. They're great in sports, whatever, right? But I don't identify mm-hmm. with celebrities. Yeah, they're not yeah. part of who I am as a person. They're not part of my upbringing. They're not part of my life. They're not part of what makes me me. Yeah. Because my identity comes from from other things, right? From family, from from values and stuff like that. So I find celebrity culture in general uncomfortable. Yeah. It's not something I like, and I, you, you've heard my critiques on this show regularly about it. But it makes me doubly uncomfortable when I see that celebrity culture directed towards victims and survivors. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. And this, this is, you know, it's a hard one, right? Because it's like, I think yeah. somewhere between, it's like, I, I, I think in this situation, I'm almost kind of in between Diz being a hardcore sports fan and you not being one, right? Because I enjoy sports. I, you know, I... I enjoy those things too. And, you know, I, I identify a little bit with, with these celebrities in a way, but maybe not the same way Diz does with someone like Kobe Bryant, because mm-hmm. I'm not like a hardcore sports mm-hmm. fan. Right. And I found that it's hard for me to, to reconcile kind of the Kobe that people are pushing forward right now versus the one, you know, that, that has had this history. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, what's crazy is that, you know, you kind of see, uh, once again, you know, like, you know, I, I don't want to I don't want to bring back the levity of the beginning of our conversation. But, you know, you go on Twitter and you kind of see mm-hmm. two sides that are almost diametrically opposed. Mm-hmm. Right. With one side. Really, I mean, let's face it, like a lot of a lot of times, you know, when we're in a situation where I mean, our currently nerdy Twitter isn't as active as it used to be. But, you know, yeah, uh, Ali, you really do engage a lot of political posts mm-hmm. and a lot of posts about interesting things through there, right? And invariably, the ones who are the most vitriolic, the ones who seem the most ignorant, tend to be the ones who also have sports logos mm-hmm. on. You know, they're they're the guys that that, that wear the the sports caps, right? And they're the guys that have logos as their as their avatars and everything else for whatever sports team they're obsessing about. And you know, um, I I was following uh, so something had had happened. 
uh, with the journalist named Felicia uh, Sanmez, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. Uh, works for the Washington yeah. Post. You know, and you know, it, uh, things have since changed since I, you know, since the, this whole thing happened. But like, she was put on administrative leave because she tweeted to an article from 2016 mm-hmm. that detailed the allegations yeah, yeah. against Kobe Bryant, right? And of course, I, you know, the fact that she tweeted at the time, you know, I, I understand that people are sensitive about that, right? Because it's very ill time because the man had just died. Yeah. yeah. But the same time, right? It's all like, you know, it's it's important that we don't forget yeah. that those things happen because uh, like you had mentioned very aptly before, right? It's like the, the experience of sports fans versus other people, other victims, two completely different yeah. experiences from the same yeah. person, right? But the amount of backlash that she got and everywhere from death threats to yeah. everything else from people who you know, who, who liked watching him play basketball, right? I have to, I have to remind yourself that it's, it, they were, they watched him play basketball, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That was the extent of their relationship with him is they watched him play a game yeah. Yeah. versus the victim, you know, versus not, you know, not just, just, not just people who were tied to Kobe's actions, but the people who had to re who had to relive whatever insidiousness in their past as a result yeah. of 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 you know, someone with Kobe's influence yeah. right so she receives death threats and everything and then she gets a uh, basically administrative leave from Washington Post because they claim that she had violated their vague kind of social media guidelines yeah. right now in kind of a redeeming factor is that fellow journalists like people that you know people that we actually respect as journalists came out saying no like there's no reason why she should be punished mm-hmm. for linking this article because ultimately you're you're what are you punishing her for it's mm-hmm. like this if if journalism you know if especially if, if if journalism uh is beholden simply to kind of the whims of what the public wants and how they're feeling at the time mm-hmm. then you've ultimately killed journalism yeah. yeah right so um as a result of multiple journalists kind of condemning the suspension washington post eventually retracted the punishment yeah. right but it doesn't change the fact that Felicia Somnez is still getting threatened yeah, online yeah. and people who are, you know, pe- people who are obviously grieving over the death of Kobe Bryant, which I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to indict them on that. Mm-hmm. You know, the backlash, the, the visceral and vitriolic backlash that, that she is facing as a result of really not doing anything all that serious mm-hmm. um, is, is alarming in my opinion. Yeah. You know, because it's like imagine like how how, how fucked up that yeah. is like for you to for you to threaten death to someone because someone that you watched on TV, you know, yeah. <laughs> she has a she a, offended a, the ID, the memory of someone who you watched on TV. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's That's, interesting man, too. Is like the, the argument that that Washington Post made is the arg is the struggle of journalism, right? It's, it's yeah. to not do to weigh not doing harm against mm-hmm. informing. Right. Yeah. And that's difficult to do. And that's where we're at right now. How do you navigate that not doing harm to say the memory of Kobe Bryant, which is, in my opinion, not that important, but more important to Vanessa. Yeah. Right. His wife yeah, yeah. and his daughters. He's already the, who's lost the father yeah. and a sister here. It's very difficult. Yeah. Right. It's like, how do you weigh the not doing harm, but also with the fact that this is it's newsworthy it's important enough to mention right and this is something that even the coverage of it has is problematic even the way it was reported is problematic but also bringing in the other factor is that felicia sama is is Mm -hmm. a survivor herself yes she had to deal with sexual harassment uh, and assault on the job 
So the, yeah, how, yeah. how do you go and silence someone like that? And this is this is the struggle I have, right? It's again, I've got nothing against Kobe Bryant, and I'm not going to be the the person out there waving, you know, trying to get woke points over this. But I have a hard time um, understanding the way in which people mourn someone who played a game. And don't get me wrong, yeah, immensely talented. I could never do anything that he did, and he and he many times used that platform that he had to do real good. The uh, donations that he gave, the support that he gave, uh, the communities he upheld, uh, the way that he, he, you know, supported the inter- young women who wanted to go. I mean, the, the 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 thing that's come out about his legacy in particular is the way yeah. he was a father helping his daughter navigate Hashtag girl that arena. became like. Yeah. Right. Like that's really fantastic. And, and I, I don't want to in any way, shape or form take away from that. But I'm also sitting there going, if we can't be critical mm-hmm. of public figures, figures that we have almost no real connection to other than what we've been told we should have by society and capitalism, then how on earth are we ever going to hold the people in our so- lives accountable? How are yeah, we ever going to be yeah. real, Alec? I, I I look around and I love all the all my friends and whatnot, but the way I see them mourn Kobe, I have never seen an iota of that energy directed towards being a true ally. Yeah, and that's what yeah. worries hard, me. Is that hard truth, right? right? And that yeah. is, I, I don't want to, I don't want to offend anyone, but that's it's it worries yeah. me. It worries me the power of celebrity and the power of culture capitalism that the energy that's being expended on this is great one from not saying it has to be an either or thing it is it doesn't right in any way shape or form but it worries me that it's that powerful that it's it can eride and erase something as serious as what he has done Yes, absolutely. And I was, you know, this is, it's not like it's an anomaly, right? I mean, I think the perfect example would be a guy like Mike Tyson. Yeah, yeah. perfect example. Right? You, you look at Mike Tyson and he's admit, like he's admitted. Yep. Uh, to, you know, to, and it's not like, it's it's not a gray area no, in this situation, no, right? There's no justification. There, like even people who are, you know, even people on the other side can't really justify his actions because they, without a doubt, happened. Mm-hmm. Right? But, you know, he, but, you know, he is beloved now, right? After the hangover movies yeah. and everything else, like he had, he had rehabbed his image enough, but it's like, should we ever forget that those things happened? Right. Right. We don't let Mike, we don't let people forget yeah. that Michael Vick killed dogs. Yep. Right. We don't let people forget yep. that he put him in dog fighting rings. Yep. Right. But like, how is it that somehow we don't, we don't let people forget about Michael Vick, but it's easier to forget about what Mike Tyson That's a did. Really good point. Fantastic point. It's like, where, what is like, where are our values? Where are our priorities at? If Michael, and again, I'm not saying we should forgive Michael Vick. I'm not, yeah, of course not. None yeah, of us yeah, are Michael course. Vick yeah. defenders in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, I'd kick him yeah, in the nuts yeah, right yeah. now if I could. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He came across yeah. us, right? But it's on the same yeah. note. like, if that is enough to ruin a man's career and reputation forever, but violating, assaulting a woman is not, something has gone wrong in society. And if we show more compassion and empathy and sympathy for a stranger who happened to be wealthier and more famous than us, than we do mm-hmm. refugees, then something has gone wrong in society. And this is not an if, this is not an 
one side or the other thing. You don't have to pick. I'm not saying that if you're mourning Kobe Bryant, that means you're a bad person. I'm saying that why is it that that elicits the reaction that we do, but children in concentration camps, children trying to get into this uh, country, uh, the poor, the hungry, they don't elicit the same response. Where is the global, national days of mourning to, uh, you know, Alan Kurdi? Yeah. Where is that? And that's yeah. where I worry is like, there's something about celebrity culture in that it really has, has, has done a fantastic job of obfuscating our values and making it really murky. And I think the Kobe Bryant situation is an opportunity to open yeah. that conversation up. This is not to say that we shouldn't have any sympathy. I mean, it is tragic. Mm -hmm. All death is tragic. And certainly death uh, that involves innocent bystanders like this, the mourning that his poor family's been going through right now. I mean, I, I can't imagine. I mean, the, the post God, that Vanessa I'm made on crying this morning. It hits you. It really I, does. Yeah, yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard one. to read that and yeah. not feel like fuck. Yeah. That's painful, and right? I'm going to say yeah, this, right? Yeah. Kobe Bryant got something that other people didn't, right? Kobe Bryant for lack of a better term got a chance to at least seem redeemable, right? Whether it was his charisma on the court or off the court, people found something in him that like in spite of knowing like the allegations that were levied against them and what he did, right? He was still seen as a redeemable character. Now, a lot of people don't get that, right? And a lot of people don't deserve that. I'm not saying Kobe did deserve it or didn't deserve it, yeah. but that's something that he got that like, I think for, and like, I may sound insensitive saying this, but he was lucky that that happened in 2003 and not in like 2019 or 2000, like, because look at how people are reacting to Kevin Spacey versus how they are reacting to Kobe Bryant, right? Or look how people are reacting to like Harvey Weinstein versus how they're reacting to Kobe Bryant or even Aziz Ansari versus Kobe Bryant, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. But, the, but don't, I mean, let's be clear here. Mm -hmm. I think dating does matter, right? You're right. This is the yeah. pre Me Too era. And to a certain extent, having it come out there, it means something very different than it coming out yeah. in 2019. But let's never underestimate the immense amount of grace and forgiveness that we are willing yeah, to sure. give celebrities and rich people. Harvey Weinstein yeah. is an exception, right? And even Kevin Spacey, I mean, he released that new video where he was doing uh, Underwood. There were people on there like, oh, man, I miss him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. a release enough cringe that people kind of forget exactly. about what you did. And if you wait just long you know? enough, you know, don't be surprised if fucking Kevin Spacey makes mm -hmm. a comeback in 2024. No. Yeah. Same thing with Aziz. No, Gibson still makes yeah. movies. Well, like, look at Aziz Ansari. Aziz Ansari yeah. just recently did yeah. a special where he came back after that kind of all that ickiness and he, he re kind of worked with it and Some people did, forgave yeah. him. People attended. People attended yeah. a show. It was sold no, it's, out. Um, it's it, it it does make a difference when it came out. Now, I personally like maybe it's because I'm the fan. I want to believe that like he became better because of that experience. Like it was a terrible thing that he did, but he was striving to do better because of it. Maybe that's the fan in me, and I mean, I you know, like I don't want to sound insensitive, and if I do, like I apologize. Um, because I saw the work that he did afterwards, like 
you know, like I saw the stuff that he was doing for, for women athletes, how he donated to the Afghan women's national soccer, uh, Afghan women national soccer team, how he was a champion for the WNBA, um, how he like supported us women's basketball, how he supported young women with this Mamba Academy. It's like a girl's Academy to play basketball. But here's the thing Diz. now, and I don't disagree with you because I, I do think as, as cold and heartless as I, I sometimes appear, I, I'm very committed to rehabilitatory justice sometimes. Don't be fooled by my desire to <laughs> nuke half the population of the world. Um, in, in reality, in policy, my, my, I'm aimed towards rehabil- rehabilitation. I am. I believe in reconciliation. I think I believe in re- restorative justice. Not if I was ruler of the world. That's a different story. Of course not. But in the system yeah. that we, I do believe that. I also believe there's room for growth and 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 you know change and reform and atonement. If, if not, then you're just assuming that everyone is irredeemably evil. You can't go anywhere from that. It's not up for me to decide whether mm-hmm. he's been rehabilitated, though. It's up for the survivors. It's up to the girl. Uh, to determine whether he's been rehabilitated and reformed and whatnot. But the second component of this is the way in which we talk about these people who do commit these horrible atrocities. I have a very uh, brilliant colleague at UCI named Sharon Block, Dr. Sharon Block, who's a historian of sexual violence in America, working particularly in the colonial era, race, gender, etc. And she wrote a fantastic blog during the... Um, Bill Cosby stuff and going why it was so hard for people to accept that Bill Cosby was a rapist is because we imagine rapists as monsters and others we don't Mm -hmm. imagine them in sweaters yeah and that's the thing that's why Harvey Weinstein was so easy to indict right yeah yeah, Harvey Weinstein is so easy to indict because he is somewhat monstrous right it's not there is no dichotomy the Kobe Bryant who's donating is also the Kobe Bryant and that committed rape. It's both of those people are real because people mm-hmm. commit horrible acts. People yeah. are monstrous and heroic, but people aren't monsters sure. or heroes. And that's the big thing for me. I have no heroes. I don't believe in heroes. I don't believe in monsters. I believe in the monstrous and the heroic. There are things that you do that are truly heroic. And those things, those events, those causes, those actions are are what we should laud. And there are things that are truly monstrous that we should call out. Individual people are both. So you brought up monsters, right? Which reminded me of something, right? I told you guys I saw it on a TMZ report. And you said you saw it first in a TMZ report, right, Ali? TMZ posted that before Kobe Bryant's family was even told that that he had died in the helicopter accident, before the other uh, nine people, before their families were told about that, right? And I, here's the the thing, right? I get it. We live in a a fucking hyper-capitalistic world, right? I, I see motherfuckers posting things about like, they're they're selling Kobe Forever shirts and their bracelets and whatnot. Like yeah, yeah. they haven't even fucking buried the guy yet, and you're trying to make money off, you know, like his his image, right? Which, yeah. yeah. Well, the price of the yeah, Funko which, Pops which shot is up stupid the as day fuck, after. Right? Like it annoys me, like, like crazy, how, how we could capitalize yeah. on people's death, right? But yeah. like, you know, like living through capitalism 
I see it. I don't, I don't get it. I don't like it, but I see it. Like it's not, it's not like it's not new to me, right? Mm-hmm. But there was so much misinformation in in this case, right? So I remember yeah. hearing first yeah. it was all it was mm-hmm. five people that died in the in the accident, right? I was told it was Kobe and his four daughters, right? That like I was I was heartbroken. He has a like a five month old daughter. I'm like, holy shit, this five-month-old died. This three-year-old died. This 17-year-old died. This 13-year-old died, right? Like, along with Kobe Bryant, like, these young lives passed away. And then I was told, no, it was just Gigi, right? Gianna, like, his his middle child, who's 13, still super tragic. Um, I was watching TNT on Tuesday, um, and they were, you know, they, were, they, were, they had Shaq, um, Rick Fox, um, a, a bunch of people that were talking about the death. And one of the names that got mentioned in that helicopter accident was Rick Fox, right? I was told Rick Fox died in that. Rick Fox was a former Laker, former teammate of Kobe's. They won three championships together. He was sharing the story about how his name got brought up in it. So that shit like killed me, even though like, like it, it hurt to hear that he didn't die in the accident, right? He's still alive and well. He found out that Kobe passed yeah. away and someone he was on the phone with like his daughters right because his daughters were friends with gianna and he's sitting there you know being a dad and like trying to like explain like you know like what happened to his family and he's getting calls and he's getting calls and texts and he's just assuming it's people trying to talk to him about like kobe passing and giving him the news and then like his best friend kept calling him like over and over and over again so like he told his daughters like hey let me call you back like you know like gary keeps calling me so he picks up the phone and he's like, hello. And like Gary's like, his friend is just like bawling on the other end. And he's like, I know, man, it's sad. Like, I can't believe that like Kobe's gone. And he's like, no, Rick, you don't understand. There's reports that you were on the helicopter with them. And his friend is just sitting there like in mm-hmm. tears. Like imagine thinking that your best friend died and you're calling him repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. Yeah. And like he's not picking up. And then all of a sudden he does. Like imagine like the roller coaster of emotions you're going through that way. Right. Right. Well, I mean, and the, the worst part is, is that a lot of this was the mm-hmm. local news that was just getting things wrong and yeah. putting it out on Twitter. Now, this is the issue. We're living in an era where, where people are like, we need to be first. What yeah. they're not asking is we need to be right. Yeah. Like, take that yeah. extra minute to verify. Take that extra. It's okay. We don't need to know immediately. For generations, we didn't know immediately and we were fine. It's not some, we're not being less informed if it takes us five minutes longer to find out something happens. We don't need to know things instantaneously. What we do need to know is have good information. And this is the problem. And the TMZ model in many ways is the worst model possible because even though TMZ tends Mm -hmm. to get it right most of the time, they're still very clearly, we need to be first, we need to be first, we need to be first without any real care or concern for the kind of damage that it does. And the reality here is the idea that we found out first too. before Vanessa did, before the police were able to tell her his family, that's horrific to me. That's horrific. Utterly, like I can't wrap my head around it. But the worst part about it is not just that TMZ did that, but that there are hundreds of comments defending them doing that. Well, we should have to know first. They should do it. It's it's our jobs as fan, and that's the other ugly side of fandom and, and celebrity culture: the sense of entitlement that people had yeah. over this man's death. 
You don't have yeah, the right well, to I... find out before his family yeah. found out. Fuck you. Like, I don't... Like, excuse... Like, I'm... Like, that's mind-boggling, the sense of entitlement that, oh, because I'm a fan, I get to... I should be able to find out before his family does. TMZ did nothing wrong. My worry is that you see the situations like this and we're unable to say, mm-hmm. let's have a moment of reflection. Let's have mm-hmm. these honest conversations about the weird and ugly legacy of this to remark that this is a man who's not quote unquote flawed. These are weasel words, right? Flawed, yeah, complicated, yeah. complex. No, this is a man who is credibly accused of rape. We're not having a conversation about the kind of fan culture. We're not having honest conversations way about our media ecosystem works in which we're like fucking tragedy vultures. You are feeding off of this guy's death, right? Like these are the conversations we're not having. There isn't this period of reflection there. And that's what worries me is that there, there's a sort of collective, we have to toe the line on how this all goes. Otherwise, you know, you face repercussions from angry fans or from, you know, whatever. And and that's yeah, yeah. that's a tragedy. I think there is an opportunity to have a real meaningful conversation beyond the kind of superficial yeah. tributes that are being done. But that's just me. Yeah. I just want to bring more attention to, I mean, the other people that were on that yeah, flight yeah. also, they were Orange County locals. Orange County Co- I mean, Coach. Orange Coast College coach, right? Yeah. So John Altobelli was a baseball, you know, and uh, literally I was, I watched, I was watching them practice, you know, last yeah. semester. Yeah. Like, you know, I was, I, I, I was taking classes at OCC. Yep. Right. So, I mean, that's like, these weren't, these weren't people that mm-hmm. were, you know, these were people that I yeah. technically, that I was around. Yeah. These are local. Though. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so I, you know, for, for the people who, who have trouble understanding like how much impact, the these deaths specifically have on us is because yeah, these is. are these are people who are from where we're from yeah. right like we could have feasibly you know have seen For them at I restaurants know, or whatever else or something. you know been around you know, them like, like that's it they they lived five ten minutes away from where i work yeah. and i i don't know yeah. i probably have zero interaction with them the point for me is not whether my paths cross with them but that that their lives often get overshadowed by the big mm-hmm flashy celebrity right it's like yeah, yeah. absolutely their deaths are equally yeah. tragic as, yeah. as and like else. I, and like before we here. we get off the air like i do want to like wish our condolences to like the chester family the altabelli family the mauser family the zobian family and the bryant family like it's a tough loss like losing someone sucks especially so unexpectedly like that and so tragically like that like you know, like I, I pray that they'll um be able to like overcome this and have like the patience and the strength to overcome this. Absolutely. Well, listen, guys, I, I, I understand we've had a really strong conversation here, right? We had some good conversation. It was a little bit somber, but I always feel like, you know, we should, uh, you know, uh, th- th- this is horrible corporate manager to speak, right? But you always, you always <laughs> sandwich the criticism between two compliments, right? <laughs> It's a, you know, that's a standard middle management tactic, right? That's what I, that's what I learned. And, um, so what we did is we first, we started with, uh, my misadventures in the St. Louis gay bar scene. Right. Uh, and now yeah. I want to end the podcast. We haven't had a Patronus in a while, so I feel like this might be a good time. Now, Ali, we established that Patrona, Patroni, Patronuses, 
you know, they're supposed to be animals, mm. right? The idea that animals kind of taking back their agency, fighting against the man, mm. you know, maybe a rabid wolverine. Wasn't it first Jeff patron Bezos's of somebody who stole taco meat? Hopefully one day, mm. right? Yeah, that was an exception. It, it wasn't. It wasn't our first, but yeah, he was yeah. certainly yeah. Um, uh, Roberto Escamilla, the the hero, the fajita hero. Of Texas. He was an Fair unsung enough. hero. There's a difference. Yeah, <laughs> that man, that man was a was an unsung hero. Yeah, that's true. I have a photo of him, like the uh, Virgin of Guadalupe, in my house. Who steals a million dollars um, worth from fajitas. the prison system? Fajitas. Go for it. Seriously. So. Now, I, we've established that, you know, the Patroni should be a Patrona should be an animal. But I feel like this is going to be another exception, oh, right? Because, you know, uh, and then should do like a whole so podcast we all know what a furry furries. is, right? Yeah. We talked about furries, right? You know, some, you know, some attach it to some sexuality. Others just enjoy fursuits. They enjoy fursonas. For whatever <laughs> reason, some of them are becoming neo-Nazis. I don't understand how that works. Though interesting, right? the, the, that community also is at the forefront of fighting neo-Nazis. Yeah, it's really weird, right? Apparently, you know, you put on a fox outfit, and next thing you want, you're, you're either goose-stepping or you're fighting people who goose-step, mm -hmm. right? I don't know how it works, but apparently it does. One of the things that's crazy is that, you know, we mentioned OCC and everything. A lot of my classmates, a lot of people that were in the art class I was with, you know, they were people who were uh, fursuit designers. They were cosplayers, people who who, uh, you know, like to like to um, make costumes and they're technically furries. Now, San Jose, California, right? Uh, last I think the past weekend, they just had FurCon up there, which is one of the biggest uh, furry conventions in the United States. Now, uh what makes this interesting is that there are the heroes of Furcon who uh, during during the uh, during the evening of one of the shows, they actually stopped a, a, a domestic violence incident. A guy beating up his girlfriend like uh, 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 on the road of San Jose mm. while wearing their outfits. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, which is pretty like it went on Twitter. There's a there's someone in there. Uh, Kinsey Shirosuke. Right. Who was um, who got interviewed by the by the Daily News, mm -hmm. who uh, talked about how he saw this gentleman uh, walloping, quote unquote, walloping a lady inside of the car. So they went and like they like grabbed him out of the car and separated him. Right. But he was wearing like a Snorlax. It wasn't it was more like a slowpoke outfit from Pokemon. It was like a big old pink, like a uh, fat suit with a tail, mm -hmm. you know, and him and like three other people went out there and they actually saved this lady from being beaten up while in her car. Uh, and, you know, he talked about how he, you know, he took Taekwondo and karate in his life. So he knew how to deal with these situations. Um, and the video is on Twitter. You should actually watch it because it's quite heartening. You know, I appreciate it because I feel like if they weren't wearing the unsung heroes rather than Patronas. No, because I think they're an animal outfits. So I feel like. We're getting into murky ground here. We're getting into because if they're because it's like you know they and they have fursonas right. They're they're living their they're living their fursonas. They're in animal outfits, right? They came in and they you know and they they saved they saved someone from from domestic violence. Here. And I choose to believe that they are a patronus. Yeah, well, yeah I don't think so. I, because in, in that case, why aren't goblins or centaurs or or any other sentient animal? They can be. Why not creature? Patronus, they're not. They're, they're 
Fuck yeah. Harry Potter. Yeah. We, we make our own rules, motherfucker. I mean, it's a fictional fucking world. Who cares? But the reality is that uh, the Patronus is only an animal. Only and yeah. and I mythic animals. Uh, yeah. I don't want to ascribe to the labels that, hair, that turf created. Right? Okay. Fuck y'all. Okay. I had a rabbit. <laughs> no. Uh, oh, I thought you meant like a wig. <laughs> That's what I thought he meant. Oh. For a second, too. <laughs> All right, let's end it there before uh, before things get out of control because I can sense this is going into a direction okay. I have zero interest in entertaining. So <laughs> let's end the podcast here. I think uh, we had an interesting conversation, a very honest conversation, a little bit different than what we usually do, uh, but I think we dug deep in, into some some issues that I hopefully. Uh, was important and meaningful and we invite you to join in in this conversation and Diz will let you know how you can do so. Yes, you could um, direct your your fan mail or your anger towards us at Facebook, Facebook on Facebook, facebook.com slash currently nerdy. Uh, you could also tweet us at currently nerdy on Twitter. You can write comments on our Instagram posts at uh, currently nerdy on Instagram. You can write notes about us on Tumblr, currently nerdy.tumblr.com. You could give us likes or dislikes on YouTube, youtube.com slash currently nerdy. Um, and you can rate, review, and subscribe to us on Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, and the iTunes podcast app. Um, please only give us five-star ratings. We'd really appreciate that. And write a review. You know, if you disagree with us, write a review as to why. But make sure you give it a five-star rating while you do so. If you want to get a hold of us individually, you can. V, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, you can uh, find me on Twitter and Instagram at vtran214. That's V-Y-T-R-A-N-214. Or my uh, website, thesandwichslayer.com. I also wanted to also talk about my brother's uh, uh, GoFundMe to make the lightsaber for uh, Kelly Marie Tran is going swimmingly. Of course, if you still want to donate, it's still open. So you can go to GoFundMe.com slash rise, the number four and Rose. Go ahead and you know, throw a couple bucks his way so we can make sure that she has an amazing 2020. Ali. You can catch me on Twitter and Instagram at A-A-O-L-O-M. I actually just released another Twitter thread on uh, the Jal or the Antichrist in uh, Islamic eschatology. So if you're checking out the Messiah Netflix, go check out my Twitter thread. Uh, you can also follow me on Instagram. You can see a peek behind my, you know, the screen in my academic life. Uh, or on our sister podcast, Head on History, and on my website, alialomi.com. Diz. You can find me everywhere at Dizbulla, D-I-Z-B-U-L-L-A-H, and also on our brother podcast, Currently Nerdy Sports. Uh, it's not on iTunes yet, but season one is all on SoundCloud, so if you want to go and check out some fantasy sports stuff, go on there. It's uh, soundcloud.com slash currentlynerdy. For everyone here at Currently Nerdy, thank you for tuning in, and remember, stay smart, sexy nerds. All hail the Currently Nerdy episode.